Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Bitstamp and the Galaxy Brains Podcast. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on the Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Hash, an eventful 23 hours and 30 minutes since we last saw you here on Coindesk TV. Hi there, I'm Zach Seward. I'm joined by Wendy O, Jen Sinassi, and Will Foxley. Now, if you visited Coindesk.com this morning, you may have seen live testimony in Capitol Hill from the current CEO of FTX, John J. Ray III. There it is in that little picture-in-picture box. It's still going on right now. They're hearing from the current CEO and his telling of what is going on with Sam Bankman-Fried's collapsed crypto empire. Now, we'll get to that and more in a bit. Let's hear a clip from John J. Ray III in response to Congressman Frank Lucas from Oklahoma asking about how the FDX debacle compares to some of the past projects that John Ray has has worked on. Even in the most uh, failed companies, you have a fair roadmap of what happened uh, we're dealing with literally a sort of a, a paperless bankruptcy in terms of how they created this company. It makes it very difficult to, uh, uh, to trace and track uh, assets, uh, and particularly, as I've said, in the crypto world. Uh, it's, it's really unprecedented in terms of uh, the lack of documentation. And... J.J. Ray III famously presided over Enron's bankruptcy uh, and has been through this rodeo before. So a lot of telling detail being shared here in this U.S. House committee hearing. Lots to go on here. I'm going to toss it to Jen for her initial thoughts. Yeah, I think that John J. Ray III has been really brutally honest this morning. And I don't think he's slammed on crypto at all. I think he's been very transparent about what he's found in the last four weeks as CEO of FTX. And he's been really real in calling it good old-fashioned embezzlement. On the other side 
of the coin. We see government officials really taking a slam at crypto. And I think that we could have expected this. A lot of mentions of money laundering and what kind of regulation could have stopped this. And, you know, listening to the testimony this morning, listening to the questions from regulators, my initial reaction is we know that a lot of the things that have happened at FTX were illegal. We know that Sam Bankman-Fried has been arrested for the illegal things that have gone on. And so this questioning, you know, what kind of regulation do we need to stop it, I think may take us in the wrong direction. But it was something that we definitely expected. And we've spoken about a lot on the show. Uh, Will, I think I saw your hand go up. Yeah, the testimony this morning is definitely of interest. But I want to go back a few hours to what happened last night, which was the news that Sam Bakenfried had been arrested in the Bahamas after uh, the Southern District of New York had put an extradition against him. And they were looking to get him out of the Bahamas and into a United States courtroom. So the Bahamas is currently holding him. He was arrested again last night, which caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, for some reason, a lot of people did not think that he was going to be arrested uh, himself. Even he said on Twitter spaces, saying Bakeman Freed, that he was not thinking he was going to be arrested. But as we've seen this morning, the uh, different uh, things posted against him are pretty severe. There's conspiracy to commit wire fraud. There is wire fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud against lenders, uh, wire fraud against lenders. There's even some very hefty, very hefty allegations against uh, defrauding the United States government. Uh, and his involvement in giving too much money to different campaign contributions, which were unsealed again this morning by the Southern District of New York. So this is pretty heavy stuff, which I think a lot of people in the crypto world were not expecting to happen. Uh, people, I think, were just looking at the last month, seeing the PR circuit and saying, oh, well, maybe he's going to get out of this or he's going to get off with just a warning. But I think you are seeing the long arm of the law come down on top of crypto. It might take a while to get there, but it certainly does get there. And it's pretty hefty. Wendy, I'll throw it up to you for your take. My question is, why why all of a sudden do the public servants care about all the money that was donated to them? They didn't care about it before. They didn't question it before. There's a lot of things that I do think that are going to come to light. And I'm not defending Sam in any way, shape or form. He was still a part of this whole circus. But the problematic thing that we're seeing is we're seeing these public servants, which again, you guys, our taxpayer dollars go to fund these cases, um, these types of investigations. And the type of questions, you know, some of them are good, but at the same time, Sam needs to be held accountable. The people that um, he was working with should be held accountable. But more importantly, the public servants that did take money that didn't do further investigations on, you know, how to place good practices in the crypto industry. We have somebody like Gary Gensler that keeps saying, you know, come register, come talk to us. Well, it came out that Gary met with Sam multiple times. And why didn't he catch it? His job is to catch these bad actors. Instead, he goes around and he totes about, you know, finding Kim Kardashian for a disclosed ad. And it's just becoming a big circus. It's becoming ridiculous. And I don't think retail has been protected at all. And I think that they're kind of laughing in our faces at this point. So it's very upsetting. And that's my take on it. Yeah, Capitol Hill hearings are a little bit like crypto Twitter for boomers, right? There's a lot of takes that are being popped <laughs> off over here. I think there was something about Creepy dough. I saw that lighten up <laughs> the Twitter.com. Or... There we go. Creepy crypto dough. I missed that one, but that was definitely lighten up the Twitter commentary. So there's definitely a lot of grandstanding in hearings like this, but really the main attraction here is John J. Reed III laying out what he knows to be true. Now, interesting to note that Bahami, Bahamian regulators are out here saying that he's misrepresenting some of the facts 
And the regulators down in the Bahamas are seeking to clear their name as it relates to some of these public statements made by the new CEO of FTX. This is unfolding as we speak. These are pronouncements that are being made from the Bahamas. Going to be interesting to see if the Bahamas can come back from this, right? As a crypto hub. They wanted to be a crypto destination. They housed FTX, Alameda, other crypto firms as well were brought down there uh, by the lure of friendly regulation. If they can come back and, and uh, sort of maintain their image as upstanding actors within the regulatory sphere globally, I think that's an open question. And we're seeing a bit of that turf war that we saw earlier again play out in the wake of John Ray's public comments here on Capitol Hill. So sort of a sideline to note, as far as we know, SBF is still in the Bahamas. Uh, he's in custody in the Bahamas. He's yet to be extradited. There was a bit of news saying that he would not waive his right to an extradition hearing. So we'll see how that goes. Will, last thoughts on this one before we change gears. Last thought is I just have to wonder what Caroline Ellison and Sam Trabesco are thinking right now with all this going on. Where are they and what are they thinking after seeing their former boss being snagged by the United States government? Wendy, I'll kick it to you for our next story. They're probably thinking, darn, I shouldn't have gotten involved with this creepy dough currency. Just kidding. Um, but the next, <laughs> the next story. I just over have to Amber laugh pay. every time. We're, every we're time. paying these people. Um, they get, I don't know how they get paid, but we're paying these people with our taxpayer dollars. Anyways, SBF leaked testimony reveals the truth about him, according to Forbes. So he basically planned to blame everybody but himself, shows the leaked Congress testimony. According to Forbes, SBF planned to say, I effed up while testifying before lawmakers about the collapse. This is according to a leaked draft of his opening remarks. The publication says they were exclusively required. The leaked document obtained by Forbes also shows he planned to discuss the following. Um, he claimed that FTX US was still fully solvent and could pay back all customers in full. I can kind of agree with this to an extent because I know they were licensed and regulated in the US. And when you're licensed and regulated in the US, you got to be up to par. He said the pressure to file Chapter 11 started um, November 8th and mostly came from Ryan Miller, General Counsel of FTX US and law firm Sullivan and Cromwell. He said, I wish I had not clicked on a button on DocuSign at 4.30 a.m., leaving some FTX under destructive leadership. And he said he deeply regrets giving into pressure to sign the forms. And he blamed the inclusion on FTX US and Chapter 11 bankruptcy on the new CEO, John Ray. Zach, take it away. Yeah, so this uh, testimony, this leaked testimony, was brought up during the hearing itself with lawmakers saying this testimony is, quote, so disrespectful, citing that F-bomb that was up there near the top. Now, SBF was supposed to be at this hearing sort of showing sort of like a showdown with John J. Ray uh, laying out, I guess, both sides of the story here. But that did not come to pass because he was arrested yesterday in the Bahamas. But this is definitely sort of making its way into the conversation as it relates to this House hearing. Would have been wild to see this one drop in person or at least virtually, but no law enforcement acted before that could happen. So now he is in custody while this hearing unfolds without him. Will, I'll toss it to you. Yeah, I'm disappointed that we didn't get to see that. That would have been very interesting uh, just in terms of like the comedic effect. And Zach, I'm going to go back to the point that you were just making that the lawmakers and congresspeople in the hearing were not very enthused by Sam Bankman-Fried's uh, tirade at the beginning of this little uh, testimony, right? Dropping an F word, which we will not do on Coindesk as a family publication, but uh, he seems <laughs> to think it's appropriate to do that in front of Congress when all of his work, his life's work is on the line. So interesting to see him do that. 
I don't think a lot of people in Congress have time for his PR campaign to continue. Uh, but this is you know, certainly notable. We're going to have to see what happens with him in the, in the Bahamas right now as you're going through all the documentation. I'm curious to see, Zach, what you brought up earlier, like what does happen with the Bahamas and regulation there because of SBF. Jen, I'll boot it over to you for your take. I need to see an SBF John J. Ray showdown. It has to happen. I think SBF would just get totally wrecked by John J. Ray <laughs> after seeing him speak this morning. Um, I think it is disrespectful. And I think uh, reading through a lot of his statement, it's everything he's been saying in the media on this, on this PR tour, right? He's, he's sorry he effed up, but at the end of the day, it wasn't his fault. There was so much going on that he just, you know, couldn't fathom it. But also there, he references these letters of intent that there are all of these investors waiting to give money to save customers at the end of the day. He references them so much. Um, on social media, in the media interviews he's doing, and now again in this leaked testimony. But we haven't heard anything else. He, like, we haven't heard anyone come forth and say, you know, I'm willing to put these funds up. He hasn't gone into any more detail. I'm so curious about that tidbit in the, in the testimony. And I just, I just feel like he needs some PR help. He needs someone to help him in crafting his message. It feels like no one is in his corner. And it's just sad now, Wendy. He's honestly communicating to public servants that could get him in a lot of trouble the same way he would on crypto Twitter. Like that is a regular crypto Twitter response. Like I effed up. I mean, you have to switch kind of personality types when you're going into different situations. And I'm sure that he has Pierre. I don't know. Maybe he's going to play the insanity card. Who knows? But it is all looking like a circus. And again, um, tinfoil crown on here. I kind of feel like regardless if the FTX ended up thriving or failing, this was all orchestrated to push through negative crypto regulation in the United States and on a global scale with the CBDC. That's obviously not confirmed. That is just a thought that my tinfoil crown has. There, there One was thing a conversation. Sorry, we're all going to go super quick. I was going to say there was someone in Congress this morning who said, you know, who referenced this ignorance that Sam has been citing and then cited all of the education, all, all of the very smart moves he made up until this point and said, you know, I don't think that ignorance is to blame here. But Will, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, I want to bring up two things before we move on from this subject. And that is the discrepancy between FTX US and the testimonies we've seen from Sam Bankman-Fried and John J. Ray III. Uh, John J. Ray is saying that, yes, FTX US was actually having problems with solvency and that they, there was no difference between FTX and FTX US. And then Sam Bankman-Fried is saying that it's not the case, that there was a difference between the two entities and that FTX US actually could have made all customers whole. In fact, saying that he wishes he had not signed that DocuSign at 4.30 a.m. and that he was pressured into doing so. So that's a huge discrepancy. And we're going to have to wait to see what happens with that, right? Because it would be actually a great situation and a great outcome for FTX US users if they're able to get their funds off. But I have a hard time believing anything SBF is saying at this point. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. Throw it up to Zach for your last take. I saw a Wendy hand. I'll toss it to her. Really quick, I did read that their funds were commingled between FTX US and FTX International. So maybe that's not why they're able to kind of release those funds and they had to file Chapter 11 bankruptcy for all, I believe, 134 entities under FTX. Zach? 
Last thought here, just absolutely stunning how quickly this has all unfolded. John J. Ray mentioned that November 2nd, that story that was published by Coindesk was the first time this started to come to light. And here we are, less than a month and a half later, SBF in custody, house hearing, FTX and Alameda in shambles. Truly spectacular fall from grace from a man who was in some of these same quarters speaking on behalf of the crypto industry not too many months ago. Crazy times. All right, that's it for the first half of The Hash today. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, finance withdrawals really ramped up like crazy yesterday. We'll talk about what that means for the potential extension of some of this crypto contagion. Stick with us. It's The Hash. Times are tough, particularly for crypto, but Bitstamp's different. Bitstamp is the longest-running crypto exchange and among the most regulated in the world, which includes a bit license in New York and a payment institution license in Europe. And when it comes to your funds, with Bitstamp, your crypto belongs to you. All your fiat and crypto are kept 100% separated. It's why Crypto Compare ranked Bitstamp the number one crypto exchange, awarding them the highest possible AA rating. Learn more at bitstamp.net. Hey, Will Foxley here, co-host of The Hash. One thing we can take away from everything going on in crypto right now is that it's important to go deep and verify. Crypto Twitter is great, but 280 characters can only go so far. One podcast we love is Galaxy Brains. Here's the host, Alex Thorne, head of research at Galaxy Digital. Thanks, Will. For in-depth takes and probing analysis on topics, trends, and events across the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency ecosystem, check out Galaxy Brains, our weekly podcast. Find Galaxy Brains on your favorite podcast app and on galaxy.com forward slash research. Presented to you by one of the most trusted teams in the industry. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Hash. We are now talking about Binance and this crypto contagion that has really taken over the industry. So withdrawals on the exchange surged and the exchange endured $902 million of net outflows in the past 24 hours. This is according to data by Nansen. Traders are becoming concerned about the exchange's reserves. This is after a Reuters report yesterday that said U.S. prosecutors are mulling criminal charges for possible money laundering against Binance and its executives, including CEO CZ. Now, there was a pause on USDC trading. Binance recently tweeted, I think while we were on the show, that USDC withdrawals are now active again. Will, I'm going to pass this one off to you. What do you make of this? People want to take their assets into their own hands. And I think that's a good lesson to learn after what's happened with FTX, right? Binance is the largest exchange in the world. They have about $63 billion worth of assets. And people want to take those assets and put them in their own pocketbook. Why? Because we shouldn't really trust many exchanges. CZ's even said this in some of his own tweets recently, saying it's a good stress test for the exchange. At this point, we don't really know about Binance's uh, financials. They did release an audit, but those, that audit left more questions than answers about Binance's books. That being said, Binance has been able to uh, give back all these withdrawals in a timely manner. So there hasn't been as much of concern as there has been with FTX or Alameda. Uh, but if you go back to early November, FTX and Alameda actually spun out pretty quickly, right? Like it, it stopped processing withdrawals within about three or four days of people starting to pull 
uh, funds out of that exchange. I think it's a good point to make here. This is not a run on the bank because Binance is not a bank. This is a run on exchange, meaning people are pulling their funds off the exchange because a lot of times people just leave funds on exchange to trade or because they're lazy and they don't want to take it into self-custody, but it's better to take it into self-custody. The last point I want to bring up is this is actually the largest withdrawal of Bitcoin on Binance in 24 hours ever. About 40,000 Bitcoin have left the exchange according to Glassnode data, which is a hefty amount of Bitcoin. Zach, I want to throw this one over to you. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, this isn't like Ma and Pa Investor necessarily doing this. The one that stood out to me as highlighted by Nansen's Andrew Thurman, former Coindesk reporter, is that these are big firms doing this. This is Jump Capital, Jump Crypto, which has been burned in the past by having uh, ex- uh, funds on exchanges and other projects. This is Wintermute, which is a big market maker in the space. So these are some pretty sophisticated folks who are moving large sums off of Binance, I guess, to be extra cautious. So that to me stood out yesterday from some of the data that was being highlighted by Nansen and others, that it's not you know, just the, the small investor that's uh, you know, porting their funds to, to a ledger. These are some big boys who uh, tend to move markets uh, in ways uh, that may be a bit more significant. So again, I think this is that shock test for Binance. And if they can withstand a shock test such as this and still remain liquid, that'll be a great sign for the health of that company and for the crypto economy as a whole. It's still TBD when you see big numbers surging off an exchange like this, whether or not they can continue operations as normal. And for the most part, aside from some hiccups on the stablecoin side, that seems to be playing out. But I'll kick it to Jen. I saw her hand up and then we'll hear from Wendy. Yeah, I think there's a lesson here for exchanges. So Binance recently released uh, a report from an auditing firm that claimed that its Bitcoin reserves are over collateralized. But that report was super scrutinized by the industry, by investors, by customers. And I think that there's a lesson here. You know, if you are going to release information that has to do with your reserves right now, which you should be doing, that information is going to be scrutinized and you need to be ready to answer the questions that the public are going to have. And so I think that exchanges can learn that from from this. But Wendy, I'll, I'll pass it off to you. Um, One of the things that I wanted to chime in about is I believe it was, we actually talked about it on the show, September 5th, 2022, Binance issuer of the third biggest stablecoin to stop supporting larger rival USDC. Um, And on top of it, I think that a lot of people are just kind of shaken with the entire markets. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they're removing funds. But I will say, kind of to Zach's point, when you have large amounts being removed from crypto exchanges or being moved across a blockchain, those are going to be tracked. And I believe that there's an account well alerts on crypto Twitter that does post those. And back in like 2018, 2019, it would cause so much FUD. People would be like, oh my God, we're going to pump, we're going to dump, all of this stuff. And as a trader, that those are things that we do kind of pay attention to in some instances. So I think that part of the reason why they were having trouble, um, what people were having trouble with drawing funds is because there's a lot of people that were moving them at the same time. But if Binance is actually um, solvent, which I do think they are, not financial advice, it shouldn't be an issue if people are removing their funds because, again, the way exchanges should be making money is not by loaning capital out to other people, but charging trading fees. Again, it could be wrong here, not financial advice. Zach? It is a really cool thing about crypto is that you can see this happen in real time and you can see people comment on, on it in real time because these are known wallets and you can track inflows and outflows, right? So, you know, Nansen is in the business of doing this. You know, there's an update uh, on Twitter now saying that in addition to these massive outflows, there's also some fresh capital being poured in, maybe seeing some opportunities uh, that Jump has created for other market participants uh, acting at a big scale to seize upon. So it is interesting to kind of watch this drama unfold and try to get, uh, you know, between 
uh, like in the tea leaves, or I guess like read the read between the lines of these, uh, you know, these ledger entries, what the hell is really going on. And you have all these interesting like data flows, right? Like all this money is flowing into Paxos, which administers the BUSD stablecoin. So interesting sort of ramifications across the space as evidenced on chain by some of this stuff, which I think is always cool to watch and is different from the existing financial system. All right, we're going to change gears. I'm going to toss it to Will for our last story of the day. Will. Okay, we're going back to GBTC land. GBTC is an asset you can buy in your 401k. It's basically a Bitcoin-backed ETF-like product that's now trading at a 50% discount to the net asset value of itself. Why does this matter? Well, GBTC is often a way that a lot of people get into crypto for the first time. They purchase it and they put it in their 401k. And this product has done very well for Grayscale and therefore DCG, which owns Grayscale. DCG also owns, owns Coindesk, but they are separate entities. This discount has been a huge problem for crypto. It's actually led to a lot of firms blowing up. This product used to trade at a premium, meaning that the value of it actually was greater than the underlying product itself, which is Bitcoin in this instance. And ever since it went to a discount, a lot of firms were underwater because they're holding GBDC. It went under and the value of their collateral went under. So we saw this with Three Arrows Capital. We saw this with a few other hedge firms in space. We've also seen it with Alameda uh, and FTX. This is a bedrock product of crypto and it's been having a lot of problems. Why did it dip to 50% discount? Well, because the SEC, once again, on December 12th, said that they're not going to roll this into an ETF. Grayscale has been pursuing an ETF conversion for this product for quite a while, but the SEC is just not quite ready for a Bitcoin ETF and has pushed this back, which means that there's more punishment for investors. Jen, I think I saw your hand go up, so I'll toss it over to you. Yeah, I don't have any super hot takes. I just wanted to add some information here. So the article mentioned that negative sentiment around the trust, right? And Will, you brought that up a little bit. And at the end of last month, when all of this FTX... Um, contagion was happening, Grayscale said that they would not be sharing proof of reserves over security concerns, and that they said that the panic that, the, that has sparked in the industry wasn't enough reason to share proof of reserves. I think that is definitely contributing to some of that negative sentiment, and we only have two minutes left, so I'm going to let everyone else get in here. Zach, what do you got? Yeah, I think the bigger picture here is, you know, uh, DCG, right? Which owns Coindesk, which owns Grayscale, which owns Genesis. Genesis took a huge hit in the wake of Three Arrows Capital and in the wake of FTX and halted withdrawals and is potentially on the cusp of bankruptcy. Now, DCG has stepped in to assume some of those debts. I think in the broader market, there's a lot of fear that DCG might not be able to weather the storm fully intact whether that includes Grayscale or other assets under the DCG umbrella. So that, to me, is sort of the broader context in which we see this unfold. But yeah, GPTC, GBTC has been foundational to a lot of the blowups in the space. I think people are rightly starting to wrap their heads around what this GBTC carry trade meant for some of the bigger shops out there that were trading this perhaps a bit recklessly and taking on debt to do so. GBTC, again, is a foundational thing to the crypto space, as Will rightly mentioned but it's burned a lot of people by the way that it's, it's been executed in tandem with you know, Genesis and other crypto lenders who facilitated taking on some additionally risky bets. So GBDC is going to be interesting to watch as it relates to this DCG uh, saga unfolding. And I think that's probably what's going on in addition to some bearish sentiment 
across the board about Bitcoin, but I'll toss it to Wendy in case he has any thoughts on this one. Bitcoin capitulation incoming. That's all I've got, guys. Oh my goodness. She's, she's going to get us under 10K before you know it. That's wild. All right. <laughs> That's it for the show today. I'm Zach, Wendy, Jen, Will. We're the hash. I have to tease this. You're going to see some special live coverage of the U.S. House Committee hearing on the FTX collapse later on Coindesk TV. So stick with us. A lot of good stuff going on throughout the remainder of the day. Thank you for being here as always, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.